unlike Cass, you haven't brought any snacks for us today. Is that is there a reason behind that? Um, no, I just didn't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the breakfast, the breakfast at Kiriwee. Oh, you were too busy yeah. thinking about the I was thinking about breakfast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're going to bring a snack, what would it be? What's your number one choice? Um, marshmallows are nice, but um, mm. uh, I don't know, probably a bag of chips or something. Bag of chips. Oh, yep. come on, what flavor? What flavor? Uh, I like the spicy ones, Ooh. like the, yeah, chili type chips, spicy. Wow, that sort okay. of thing. Well, you bring spice to this episode. So <laughs> thank, you <very> much <laughs> thank you for that. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Soul Revival Digital. This is episode three. Count them three. We're doing four episodes this weekend, but this is episode three. I hope you've caught the last two on YouTube. Make sure you do if you don't, because you are missing out. But Unfortunately, as you know, we're in lockdown. We can't have the normal church services like we usually do. Uh, we have to wear masks, even when we're actually not even talking into the microphone, which is a little bit annoying, but, you know, it's what we've got to do. Now, I'm very excited because for all you Sunday morning crew out here, I've got two guests who are part of our Sunday morning galleries. On my right over here, we have Kath Breen. Kath, how are you? I am good, thanks, you've, Joel. You've brought us some snacks. I did. Us I or just yourself? Uh, perhaps in a COVID way, maybe just me. Um, oh. So I've got some marshmallows, which we often have um, around the fire at Week Away. I feel like yes. I'm getting into the groove a little bit, even though we're not able to go away. So It's yeah. very nicely colour coordinated along with your iPad oh, there and, was, and also your top and your hair. Plan, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was always the plan, to be pink? Yeah. I've, I got, I've got my Ugg boots on too that are Oh, also please pink. show us. Show us, please. Yep. Well, Come on, can you get that up higher or not? <laughs> Come on, try. Yeah, there we go. I don't yeah, want to leave fall off the there. seat. <laughs> <laughs> That's testing my flexibility. <laughs> yeah, watch out for your hamstrings there. Um, yep. Now, uh, two things I wanted to talk to you about is that you are the leader of our arts team along with your husband, Nick. Yep. How's that going? Tell us about it and what's exciting about it. Um, well, yet again, the arts team is, um, has been tested through another lockdown kind of period, um, but often this has produced some really exciting results and we've done things over the past year that we possibly never would have done had we not had the experience of um, yeah, locking things down and, and completely changing what we're doing. It's a little hard at the moment because there's um, a few more restrictions that we might have had than last year's experience. So we're still trying to work out how that looks um, and you've probably seen a few things happening on these um, during these little um, episodes, but also you'll perhaps see a little more as we move into the next um, phase of our church life. And I, I'm really excited about a lot of the ideas that our team's having. We've got some amazing people who've got um, exceptional experiences just themselves and skills. So, yeah, it's exciting. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for leading us through that in the, mm -hmm. through the arts team. Now, also, you are a uh, your main gathering that you go to is Yarrawarra. Mm -hmm. um, you... Relatively recently moved from the school up to the community hall, is that yep. correct? Yep. How's that going and what else can you tell us about Yarrawarra if um, some of us aren't coming along there as regularly as you are? Um, yeah, well it's been really good actually to move into the community hall. We've been able to see um, a lot more of the community around um, the location which is great and a lot of people have felt welcome to come on 
um, sort of into the um, the space and have a coffee and have a chat as well. Um, so that's been really exciting. So if you're a, if you're a Soul Revival member and you're wanting to find a place where you can speak to people who are just rocking up to see what it's all about, Yarrawarra is a good place to come right. to because we do get a lot of people just approaching the the coffee van and wanting a coffee and wanting to know what's happening. Um, so that's really exciting. We've also had um, some some more kids. Um, uh, ministry involvement um, with Alana and Jacob so that's been um, I've personally loved that because I've got three kids so that's been wonderful for them to um, to have these wonderful people come along and lead them in the Bible um, in a way that they can understand so yeah we're just really I think we're really blessed the people there are very faithful um, people who are um, yeah who've just been devoted to the the gathering and it's it's a really exciting place to be yeah that's amazing um i'd love if you could wouldn't mind for everyone um praying for yarrawarra right mm-hmm. now yep. and then uh, we'll get on to our next guest yep okay <laughs> let's pray dear lord we thank you for um the people who are serving at yarrawarra and we thank you that we've had the opportunity to branch out and to um yeah, explore and um, inhabit all areas of um, the place that we live. And we just uh, pray for our community um, over there at the moment. We pray that you will enable them to feel connected um, despite being physically um, distanced from one another. Um, please help um, all, of, all of our Yarrawarra people to um, persevere with you and in your word and... Um, yeah, we just thank you so much for the opportunities that you've given the people. Um, help those who are in the community to continue to feel welcome to come along. Um, and we just pray that your word will continue to spread out um, into the community in a real genuine um, way. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much, Jess. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your uh, service to us through arts, through Yarrawarra, and um, everything else you do for the church. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Paul. You're in charge of Sunday morning at Kirawee. Yeah. Yes. And how's that going for you and uh, for everyone in the actual gathering? Yeah, oh, it's a wonderful blessing. I, it's just fantastic. Um, every Sunday morning, catching up with people. Um, it's lovely uh, to start off with an incredible breakfast. So um, Lisa Fox and her team do outstanding work um, week in, week out. Um, it's it's better than a five-star breakfast hotel. Um, it's just wonderful. So that just sets a really, I think, happy, welcoming, hospitable vibe um, right from the outset as soon as you step in through the door. Um, uh, it's been incredible to see new people coming so regularly, um, coming, coming first time to church. So that's um, exciting. Um, that's probably one of the challenges, though, is actually just trying to keep up with... with um, who's coming really through well. the door. So um, that's something which we pray that we'll have ongoing connection with people as they come along. Cool. Um, so it's been just uh, wonderful and um, we've got a growing team um, of people involved uh, with music in the morning and that sort of stuff as well. So as people come in, um, it's been also encouraging to see them wanting to step up and help and serve in, in various ways. Fantastic. Yeah. And uh, unlike Kath, you haven't brought any snacks for us today. Is that is there a reason behind that? Um, no, I just didn't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the, breakfast, the breakfast at Kiriwee is oh, enough. Too busy yeah. thinking about the I was thinking about breakfast, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're going to bring a snack, what would it be? What's your number one choice? Um, marshmallows are nice, but um, mm. 
Uh, I don't know, probably a bag of chips or something. Like. Bag of chips? Oh, yep. come on, what flavour? What flavour? Uh, I like the spicy ones. Ooh, like the, yeah, chilli type chips, spicy. Wow, that sort okay. of thing. Well, you bring spice to this episode. So <laughs> <very much laughs> that. Thank you for that. Um, Lovely segue. Just like um, Cass did for Yarrow, I would love if you could pray for Sunday morning at Kirawi. Mm. And then um, we'll uh, keep it on, keep the show rolling on. Cool. Yep. Thanks. Pleasure. Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we do thank and praise you that uh, we can be your people. And as we gather even this morning uh, on Sunday morning, we do thank you for the great um, blessing it is to gather as your people. Um, we do pray that we'd be able to get back together soon, that uh, we would not remain in this sort of lockdown situation, but that uh, you would have mercy upon us and our city, um, allow us to be able to gather together again face to face. And so we do thank you for the, the gathering that comes along on Sunday morning. Uh, we do thank you for the many new people that have been coming along. We pray that we'd be able to welcome them wholeheartedly into our family um, and that uh, we would all uh, continue to grow in our love, uh, firstly for you, uh, and therefore following to be loving your people as well and each other. And so we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, as you might have seen when we uh, did a rock quiz last night live, that was pretty exciting. But uh, we also have got some deep cuts for you right now as we move on to having a song. So enjoy that and we'll see you after that. I was buried beneath my shame And who could carry that kind of weight It was my tomb Till I met you And I was breathing the night
needed shelter, I was an orphan, and now you're calling me a citizen of heaven. And I was broken, you were my healing, now your love is here that I'm breathing. I have a future, my eyes are open, when you call my name. Lionel, <laughs> you always ruin things. <sighs> it's very disappointing. How can I? Why aren't you speaking properly? You haven't even put that face mask on properly. I know. I don't even have any ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lionel, we're about to hear from Jonah, chapter three. Have Yay! you read? Right, you've read it. Have you? Nope. Why not? Look at my eyes. They look great. What, they shake too much, do they? Yep. I mean, maybe if you stopped talking and just read, then you wouldn't have that problem. Why? I like to talk. Talky, 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 talky. Yes, that's, that's a very obvious, Lionel. Um, <laughs> now, do you have any questions about Jonah? Or if you haven't read it, do you have any questions? But I haven't read it. Do you have any questions about it, then? Mm, I heard that Jonah got ate by a big... Yep. So, there's no question there. Oh, well, why was the sky blue when Jonah got eaten by fish? Good question. I might ask Tim, our children's pastor, to answer that question for us. Uh, well, Lionel, that's, that's a great question. Um, was the sky blue uh, when he got eaten by the big fish? I don't know if we know that detail. It's a, it's a great one. If it was blue, it's because the sky is commonly blue um, during the daytime. Uh, though, of course, he was in the middle of a storm, so we might not have been blue or blue-ish at the time. It's a great question, though, Lionel. So it was great. Yeah. Any other questions, Lionel? Not blue. Um, what kind of boat? Was it a fast boat, speed boat? Uh, was it the Titanic? Uh, no, it, it wasn't the Titanic. Also, a good question. There is no such thing as a, a silly question, Lionel. Um, but not the Titanic, That's no. That's what my mum says. Y well, what does your mum say? She says, be quiet, clean your room. I like to clean though, so it's all right. <laughs> it's good, you go clean all that grime from your room. Yeah. Yes, but don't drink the cleaning stuff. No, no. no. Don't, don't no. spray it in your mouth either, yes. Lionel. Yeah. Thank you for making that clear for us. Now, um, do you have any questions from our Soul Revival kids about Jonah? 
I don't have my computer, but I do remember Shani saying something. Yes. She asked, why did, or why didn't God ask the people of Nineveh to repent when he warned them? Ooh, that is an excellent question, Shani. Uh, thanks for sending that in. We're going to read from the Bible really soon. We're going to hear exactly what uh, Jonah did say to the people of Nineveh. But Shani's read it very carefully, obviously, because she's noticed that when Jonah speaks to the people of Nineveh, he doesn't actually call them to repent, and yet that's exactly what they do. Why didn't Jonah say this? Well, we talked about this in our first session, was that Jonah didn't actually want the people to repent. He wanted God to wipe them out and punish them. And yet we see in this chapter we're about to read together that God loves all people. And when people do hear about the judgment of God, that's enough information for them to turn to him and to repent. It's a great question, Shani. Thanks for sharing that, Lionel. Um, yeah. Hey, oh, any other questions now that you've, uh, you've heard that, Lionel? No, but they must have been very, very naughty. Very well, we'll have to find out because right now. When are we finding out? I want to know now. Right now. 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 Like now. 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 Because right now we are going to read from Jonah but chapter I can't three. Read. You're you're not reading. It's going to be Kath. Oh. Let's hear from Kath. This morning's reading comes from Jonah chapter three. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah in a second time. Oh my gosh, can I start that again? In a second time. It's not in. Adding to the word of the Bible. Okay. I'll just start whenever. <laughs> All right. This morning's reading is from Jonah chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Welcome back, guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed that song because I really did. And um, I'm very happy to welcome Stu back to the set. How are you, Stu? I'm good, thanks, Joel. It's good. Now we are obviously still going through Jonah. Um, last episode you had Jonah, well, we had and heard about Jonah being spewed out by a whale <laughs> up onto the sand. Um he got a second chance after that happened. Mm -hmm. uh, does he still continue to get to have a second chance? And what do you think about second chances? Yeah, I love the fact that we follow a God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances. He's amazing. We're going to hear today that God is a God of steadfast love. And so he's incredibly good. 
And so he gives Jonah a second chance and Jonah actually goes to Nineveh and they get a second chance as a result. Cool. And uh, Paul, did you have any uh, thoughts about Jonah before uh, Stu jumps in for us? Um, no, it was, it was a lovely little detail uh, in, the, in the reading there, um, chapter 3, where it says, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Mm. So it's, it's right there in the text and it's a lovely um, touch detail that you sort of think, oh, God just doesn't discard. He's a disobedient prophet. Mm. He wants to keep using him. Mm. Yes, well, we're looking forward to hearing what you've got to say for us for the chapter three. Thanks very much, Stu. Yeah, well, thanks, Joel, and thanks, Paul. And we're going to dive straight into Jonah 3 and look at how Jonah is angry at the Syrians. He's been spewed out on a beach and he's got a second chance from God. We're going to look at that and we're going to see how he uses his second chance. But before we do, let's just think about why is he so angry at the Assyrians. Uh, it's not misplaced anger. And we're going to learn that the Bible does talk about the fact that it is right to have righteous anger at oppression. And so he's right to be angry at the Assyrians. And I want to give you a bit of a, uh, just a, a real simple overview of just how brutal these Assyrians were, these people who lived in Nineveh. They intentionally advertised their brutality as a part of their psychological warfare to occupy other peoples and to subjugate other peoples and to completely humiliate, destroy and oppress them. And the things that they used to do to people that they were in opposition to are so terrible that I can't even repeat the sorts of things that they used to do to people in their torture. But what I thought I'd do is give you an example of uh, how brutal they are from the Assyrians themselves. So the Assyrian king, Ashar Benipal, who lived between 668 and 631, this is how he described the, the, uh, the Assyrian brutality. He says, I entered that city, its inhabitants I slaughtered like lambs. So they actually did not see people who were in opposition to them as human beings. They just saw them as wildlife, or, sorry, as livestock, and they just used to kill them. So Jonah has a good reason to hate them. But what we're going to see today is Jonah has no reason to hate the fact that God wants to forgive them. Because what we're going to see today is that God can forgive even the Assyrians if they repent of their sin and turn from their ways. Two times in Jonah, God is described by the word, the Hebrew word, hesed. Now, in Jonah chapter 2, verse 8, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. That is the English translation that says, God is a God of steadfast love. In chapter 4, we're going to see in the next uh, sermon that even Jonah is aware of the fact that God is a God of steadfast love. And this is what he says in Jonah chapter 4, verse 2. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. So there the prophet says it in his own words. He knows that he's a compassionate God and his compassion knows no bounds. God is so gracious and loving that he gives Jonah a second chance when he could have just abandoned the prophet and called someone else to do what he wanted. But he gives Jonah a second chance. He also is so loving that he's able to give the hateful, evil Assyrians a second chance. And this is a reminder that our God is a God of second chances. So let's have a look at Jonah chapter one, uh, 3 verse 1. Jonah chapter 3 verse 1. 
Then the the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Here it is in black and white in the text. Despite Jonah's bad attitude, God gives him a second word. The first word was in chapter 1 where he said in the first place, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to tell them to repent. Despite the fact that Jonah ran away, God brings him back in repentance. Remember in the last chapter, in chapter 2, God's in the belly of the big fish or the big whale and he repents and he turns back to God. And when he's vomited out on the beach in verse 10 of chapter 2, he's got a second chance. What's he going to do with his second chance? Well, this is what happens. Jonah chapter 3, verses 3 to 5. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. So he uses his second chance well. It starts off well. Now, Nineveh was a very large city and it took three days to go through it. Now, at the time uh, that this city was so large, probably 75 to 80% of people lived in villages. And in the cities that were around, they, they were magnificent places. They were these huge, vast, sprawling metropolises. They were an ancient wonder to the people of this time. So... Jonah comes into this impressive city and it takes it's so big that it takes three days to walk through it. So what does Jonah do? Well, he sticks to the plan and he does what God says. He takes the words of the Lord and he goes to prophesy at Nineveh. In verse 4, Jonah began by going on a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, you've got to say that is the shortest prophecy that you could imagine. Is Jonah deliberately being really vague by not even mentioning God, not mentioning the sin of the Assyrians, not mention how they can repent or, or, or any of those sorts of details and saying basically in 40 more days your city will be overthrown? Well, in verse 5 this is what we read. The Ninevites believed God at a far, as fast as was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. Now, what's going on there? Basically, here you've got the prophet, no matter what his motive is, he might actually be deliberately vague because he doesn't want them to repent because we already know that about him. He hates them. But here he does, nonetheless, he prophesies to them. And despite the fact that they've got such little detail, the Ninevites believe God. So they, they have this man of God come and you can see this is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has turned their hearts from their oppressive evil and caused them to repent. And they've put on sackcloth. That was an ancient symbol in the ancient Near East as um, shame. So they were shaming themselves by taking all the finery of their robes off and the cleanliness of their bodies was replaced by sackcloth. You can't get much more basic than Hessian. Hessian is what you carry wheat around in. Hessian is what you put on a door to cover up the crack in a door to stop the coal coming in. Sackcloth is the most uncomfortable, unseemly, unsightly kind of garment. So to put on sackcloth, a sack basically, and then to, to just be sitting in that is a sign that they have recognised their fallen state. Well, Jonah has given this testimony to God. And in verse 5, the, the people of Nineveh have repented. And this repentance doesn't just stay in the population, it actually goes to the very top of their society. In verse 6, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. 
So if it's not enough to see the general population humbling themselves before God because they're repentant, they, they are heartbroken, they are shamed by their own sin and the way they've treated other people, they're sorry. And so is their leader. Their king comes down from his throne, his exalted high place, and he sits down in the opposite place, the dust. You can't get much more of a juxtaposition than a throne and the dust. It's a sign of true repentance. Now, in verse 7, this is the proclamation that the king issued. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let the people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything, and do not let them eat or drink. But let the people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Violence is their daily bread. It is the way that they have their power. It is the way they have set up their economy. It is the way they have set up all their institutions. Their whole society is based on violence and they are willing to turn from this centrepiece of their culture to a God that they've only just met vaguely through this one sentence of a prophet of God and they're calling urgently on that God to forgive them. So even as they call on, their God, on, on the God of Jonah to forgive them, they are not sure whether they have actually angered him so much that he will respond. They have been given this warning that they're going to be overturned in 40 days. And the big question is, what is that overturning going to look like? Is it going to be overturning as God destroys them, holus bolus, or is it actually what's taken place in their hearts that is the overturning? Is it their empire and their outward showings of power and oppression that will be overturned? Yes, but will it be through the destruction of God by destroying them for their sin or will it be by him destroying their arrogance and pride and replacing it with humility? Now, God is a God of anger. He is righteously anger at their sin and he's not overlooking their sin. In chapter 1, verse 2, we see that the Ninevites have angered God. So we can't forget that. Let's not just contrast Jonah's anger at the Ninevites to God and his compassion. God is angry at their sin and requires them to repent. And these outward showings of repentance are showing that in their hearts they are seeking forgiveness. In Jonah 3.10, we read this. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and he did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. So God, in his amazing steadfast love is able to replace his anger at their sin with forgiveness because of their repentance now my question is how does god do that what is the mechanism that god uses to go from being angry at someone's sin to forgiving them well we know that jesus himself is the mechanism god himself becoming man being allowed allowing himself to be put on the cross by evil oppressive Romans who were the Assyrians of Jesus' time, just as brutal, just as violent, their whole system had been based on fear and intimidation, just as the Assyrians. And yet Jesus puts himself in the position where he is destroyed by their oppression so that he can destroy oppression and sin. And so Jesus, who preaches the word of God, the coming of the kingdom to the world, who also calls on people to repent. In Mark chapter 1, verse 14, we've been going through, coming back to that in each of our talks. In Mark 1, 14, when Jesus starts his ministry, he says, Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Well, what is the gospel to believe in? That Jesus is going to be crushed by sin so that we can be forgiven of our sin. 
So if Jesus dies on the cross in our place and we put our faith in Jesus, then our sin has been punished because Jesus has taken the punishment upon himself. So even though this is a shadow of that, and we don't know in the Old Testament story the direct link between how God is going to forgive an oppressive Assyrian and replace that with a second chance, what we do know as we look back as Christians is we can see that story through the cross. Through the cross of Jesus, Jesus is saying to everyone right across history, no matter whether you are a runaway prophet like Jonah or whether you are a brutal Assyrian, you can be forgiven by the blood of Jesus that was shed for you on the cross. That is just magnificent. It's just wonderful. Now, let's listen to the words of Jesus as he makes this link himself. In Luke 11.30, Jesus says, For as Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites, so also will the Son of Man be to this generation. So as Jonah, the bad prophet, caused a second chance for the Ninevites who were so evil, so Jesus, who is a good prophet, can actually be offering a second chance to his generation, but also to our generation too. And that means that no matter what we have done, no matter what sin we have committed, that sin has made God angry. Just like the anger of God towards the Ninevites, God is angry at our sin. And God is not allowing injustice. And so we as Christians should not stand back and let people be oppressed. We want to encourage anybody who is facing any kind of injustice to talk about that, to not be satisfied with that, because God is not happy with that. God is not saying that we have to sit in abusive relationships. But Jesus is saying to us that he has the solution to sin and evil. Sin and evil needs to be repented of, it needs to be named, it needs to be called out. But we also have to recognize that the Son of Man has come to defeat that evil. In Luke 11.32, Jesus goes on and says this, the, man, sorry, the men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. Now, this is quite a sobering moment in these talks this weekend because the people of Nineveh who repeated, repented of their great evil will stand up and judge those of us in Jesus' generation and in our generation who refuse to repent of their sin. And so if there are people in our generation who are oppressors and are conducting their culture with injustice and who are using injustice to form power over individuals and even over whole societies, the men of Nineveh will stand up in judgment against them on the day of judgment when God calls all things into judgment. The opportunity we all have in light of this story, is we all need to repent of sin. If there are those of us watching this broadcast that this has brought up anything for us, that you would need to talk to someone and get some help, please do so. None of us have to be okay about people treating us badly. If we take these words seriously, the application for us is that we need to understand that the only way we can fight sin in our own lives and actually have hope in eternity is by trusting in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the application we have today is that we need to remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 28 when he said that we are to make disciples of all nations. That is a holistic work. It includes presenting the gospel message in mission, supporting and helping people that we speak to. It involves discipling those people who become Christians and helping people in need 
who are disciples. The idea of a second chance is that God gives all of us a second chance and his spirit is who convicts us. And can I encourage you that if you've been convicted by God's spirit today, remember the words of Psalm 139 verses 7 to 10. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the place of the dead, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, rather than running from you, we should be led by him. My encouragement to us is the Holy Spirit is calling us to hear this opportunity of a second chance. And in Romans 8.14, this is what Paul says, that we need to move from running away from God to move towards being led by God, not just in our beliefs and our thoughts, but in our actions towards others, that we need to replace oppression in our societies with the steadfast love of God. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Being led by the Spirit is actually changing our actions to replace oppressive deeds with good works and that we as a church need to be encouraging people to imitate the steadfast love of a God who gives us a second chance to do so. Thanks for listening today. Thank you again. Thank you very much, Stu. I really appreciate the way that you've been preparing these talks again. Have you been enjoying learning about Jonah? Or, sorry, studying Jonah? I yeah, I, I have enjoyed it. I, I, think, I think I really enjoy the contrast again in this, this talk between the prophet of God who is supposed to be the one who has faith uh, and the Ninevites who are the most oppressive re- regime on earth at the time who repent. And so, yeah, that, that I enjoy seeing that um, contrast to, to that. That, uh, those are, that Assyrian empire sounded pretty brutal. Um, you're a bit of a history buff. Do you know what ended up happening to the Assyrian empire after that? Yeah, well... Um, what, what I've loved about our talk series recently is we've been looking at some of the history of that and we've looked at the history of the fact that uh, Daniel prophesied that the, the thing about empires is there will always be empires that will repl- be replaced by another empire. But in the process, even though the strongest empires exist and they, uh, they uh, exercise injustice so that they can get power, we know that God is on his throne. One day all empires will be brought to an end. And I think the thing I take great comfort in is that we need to partner with Christ as he brings his kingdom. And we need to do the best we can to share the love and truth of that kingdom in our generation and be peacemakers in our generation and oppose the injustices that, that might be around in our generation as well. Um, we were also talking about how Jonah got second chances. Um, God speaks to him uh, twice throughout Jonah. Um, Paul, and I'd also be interested in both your thoughts on this. Jonah was quite vague in his prophecy, but even in that vagueness, the Ninevites still believed in God. Do you think that um, we minimise the role of the Holy Spirit in turning people's hearts? Paul, you want to answer that first and then see what Stu thinks? Yeah, I mean, because it's, it's quite a... Ama- when you look at the, the situation just from the outside, um, it would have been a, sh- a shocking thing. I mean... Totally surprising, totally unexpected. Um, how such a powerful, confident, um, arrogant, even proud culture, um, with the word of a guy wandering through their city preaching, to, to actually simply go, "We need to turn." So, um, of course, you, you sort of with that question that was even from the kids, still saying, 
there was no other word about how to repent. It was just simply, you'll be overturned. Um, so, yeah, obviously the, the, the Spirit of God is, is at work in this context. Um, and, th- and thankfully so too, as we know in our own lives, um, because that's what turns our own hearts. Because so often we can see, maybe not the extremities of, of the sin of Nineveh in our life, but we can, we can sure know that, well, I'm certainly not that holy, um, deserving of judgment. Um, and so it's lovely to see God's ways higher than our ways and, and his spirit moving in wonderful ways. In, in the hearts of non-believers. Yeah, mm. yeah I, I think um, I'm really encouraged that, that we get a sense from the book of Ephesians that Christ is building his church and that we've been reconciled to God no, no uh, matter who we are, what nation, what tribe, what tongue, we, we've all been reconciled to God by the work of Jesus on the cross when we put our faith in Jesus and then we've been reconciled to each other as well. So I, I think that is a supernatural miracle to such an extent that in Ephesians when Paul says that when God shows his power to Satan, he holds up the church as evidence of his power. Now, I, I look at the church of our day and I look at a church in history and I think, wow, we, we have made so many mistakes. We continue to do things that, that aren't pleasing to God. We continue to, to try really hard to express the faith that we have in Christ. But the reality, the spiritual reality is that if we put our faith in Christ, we belong to God. And that's what we see from the psalm that I read out there, That uh, sorry, from Romans eight fourteen that I read out there, that if we're led by the Spirit of God, we are the sons of God, and that is a supernatural thing. So it's only the supernatural work of God that can overcome injustice, and we need to be partnering with Jesus as he is overcoming injustice. And, you know, I, I often think of... Um, Paul wandering through, uh, say Peter, or Paul, yeah, but say Peter wandering through the streets of Jerusalem, uh, declaring the kingdom of heaven has arrived through, you know, imagine that Jesus has already gone back into heaven. He's died on the cross, risen from the dead, and he's preaching the gospel in Jerusalem. And he's saying the kingdom of heaven is here. And right around him, there's all these um, Roman soldiers. And it would have been very easy for someone to say, well, how, how is the kingdom of heaven here, Peter, when these Romans are still occupying Jerusalem? And it would have been really easy for Peter to say, come and see how we live. Come and see the Spirit of God at work in our hearts and in our community and experience the steadfast love of God that he's given to us. While you're on that note of Peter, um, and that's a, it, there's a, a lovely, lovely um, connection, actually, from Jonah to Peter. Um, there's connections all the way through Scripture, but this is a, a really nice one. As, uh, as Jonah opens, uh, he's in Joppa. That's where he jumps on the, sh- the ship to want to escape God's um, command. Um, that's where Peter was, the same city, Joppa, when the Spirit of God came to him and said, go to Cornelius, the Roman centurion, mm. and um, proclaim the gospel to him. And I'm not going to go to a Gentile's house. So yet another reluctant prophet <laughs> um, being sent to the Gentiles. Um, yeah. to proclaim the, the gospel. And so, again, the wonderful work of God that actually breaks down the dividing wall of hostility, going back to Ephesians as well, um, how he brings about his kingdom and unites yeah. all nations um, uh, under his, his gospel and his grace. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah, wonderful. That's a, that's a terrific analogy, isn't it? Like Joppa's where Jonah bought his ticket to, to run away to Tarshish and... Jopper is where Peter had the vision of the cloak come down with all the animals on it. That's and right. he's supposed to go to Cornelius, who's the Roman equivalent of the Assyrians. Yep. So he, yep. he's this, you know, Roman soldier. Yep. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's terrific. Amazing, 
That's great. Thanks, boys. Thanks for your contribution. Yeah, Thanks cool. so much Thanks. for preparing that. And um, mm. the next talk will be coming in episode four later mm. this weekend. So I really mm. appreciate that. Guys, we will... Let me remove my face mask. We will be back with Kath right after this.
Welcome back, guys. We have had someone filling Stu's chair. Uh, Cass, um, where, 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 where have you been during Stu's talk? Um, <laughs> just having some snacks. <laughs> some but snacks also or all the snacks? A, f- a few of the snacks. It's a good thing about COVID. I don't have to share because oh, it's yes. not safe to oh, do so. Very good. Only with your family. Yeah. That's don't good. tell my kids. <laughs> yeah, don't tell them you've been <laughs> eating them all. Um, we're just about to jump into a song, Cass, but as leader of the arts team, can you just help everyone know um, why do we choose the songs that we do sing here at church? Um, yeah. So apart from um, the fact that God calls us um, to sing to him um, in praise and in worship, uh, I think it's um, really important to think about what the songs are that we sing to him. Um, a lot of the time they're songs that are reminding each other and singing together in, un- in a unified way of the truths of the Bible um, and of who God is and what he's done for us. Uh, which is a, a really a really big blessing for us to do when we can do it, which is why it's so hard when we can't. Um, but also, it's a great expression as a people for us to sing in a, in different styles and in different ways um, to God. And I, I just love the idea that all across the world, people are singing to God in all different ways according to the people who are actually singing those things. So, yeah, that's that's sort of why we why we choose the songs that we choose. Well, thank you. You put it a lot better than I would, so <laughs> I really appreciate that. Um, thanks again for joining us, Kath, mm-hmm. and thank you, Paul. Really appreciate your time with us today. Um, guys, make sure you stay on the live stream. We will have details for Christmas in July. Uh, we couldn't do it a week away, but we're going to be doing it with a Christmas watch party. All the details to come, but for now, we'll finish with a one-way, guys. Mm-hmm.